Welcome back, and it's time now for what I would call the main event. This is what most of you have probably been waiting for, what most of you have logged in online to see, and it's that discussion, as I promised, with the heavy hitters. So we have with us the Minister of Finance, Dr. Nigel Clark. Welcome, Dr. Clark. We also have here the CEO and President of Sagicor Group, Christopher Zaka, as well as Mr. Sean Newman. He is the Executive Vice President and Chief Investment Officer at Sagicor Investments Jamaica. So this is bound to be a very good and a very exciting discussion. So let's start with you, Dr. Clark. You're the man in demand right now. Budget debate has just closed. And you, you know, you, where you get that glass house from, by the way? Was that specially made for the event? Top secret, top secret. <laughs> Does NHT sell those? <laughs> no, you're not sure? Uh, no, the top secret, uh, custom made, custom okay, built. Okay, let's leave it at that. But the hot topic right now is vaccinations, right? And so there have been criticisms that the government is moving too slow with the vaccinations. So given the, the pace of the rollout so far, is there any plan to accelerate this? Well, first thing I want to say, you remember I'm the Minister of Finance and not the Minister of Health. However, I'm a representative of the government. Right. Uh, and vaccinations are key to the economic recovery, which is why in the budget we have allocated $6 billion for vaccines, which is more than vaccines cost at this point in time because we're building in the possibility of escalation. The vaccination program has got off to a, a good start uh, in terms of the number of persons, given the number of days that we have been uh, doing vaccinations. But Jamaica faces the same issues that many small developing countries face, which is the limited availability of supply of WHO-approved vaccines. And uh, the policy of the Ministry of Health so far has been a policy to limit our vaccine importations to vaccines that are approved by WHO. And that, in, uh, as a consequence, uh, you know, that has an effect on where we can actually get it from. But the government is working overtime to open up uh, new potential supplies uh, of vaccines because we see it as absolutely critical to economic recovery. What is the position on having the private sector get involved in providing vaccines as well? Because a lot of people have been asking, you're calling, you're trying to get an appointment. Right now it's only for the elderly, they're in priority, and the healthcare workers, the frontline workers. But if I wanted to do it privately, is that something that is being considered? Well, I mean, I, I, I saw that there was a headline a few days ago of a Jamaican pharmaceutical uh, distributor who uh, was in talks to import vaccines with a supply agreement with the Indian government. I believe since then there has been uh, some developments there. But that was an example of a private sector entity uh, that was making steps to import on, uh, you know, striking their own supply deal. Based on that precedent, I think that answers your question, that those possibilities uh, certainly exist. But as you can appreciate, the government is taking a strategic uh, approach towards vaccinations. The first order of business is to ensure that the vulnerable population is vaccinated, because that is the population from which the pressure on the health system arises. And that pressure on the health system, we have to cauterize and uh, stabilize if we are to recover in the time frame that we want. So the real, real key is that by the time that the Minister of Health has articulated, and I believe that was June or July, that we have the vast majority of our elderly population vaccinated. That will get us off to a, a good uh, start for the fiscal year. 
because it would mean that the restrictive measures uh, would be less necessary if we have the vulnerable population uh, mostly vaccinated. Mm. Speaking of the vulnerable population, though, some people have questioned the ethics of offering a cash incentive for primarily the elderly to take the vaccine. What's your response okay, to that? So I, I think I had explained that in the public media the other day. The, the thinking behind it uh, was that, look, given the reality of our uh, society, as we saw with the care program execution last year, the vast majority of persons who fit the, who are in the target population don't have bank accounts or don't have functional bank accounts. And therefore, the money would have to be sent to remittance companies. And we saw the congregation and the crowds that existed uh, last year, and we certainly could not, in this phase of the pandemic, have such crowds being gathered at remittance outlets. Therefore, the, the thinking was, wait, if, if people who come to collect are vaccinated, they would not be injuring their, their health. And that is how the, we sort of started uh, to think about it. Now, as a practical matter, we won't be able to implement this program until yeah, substantial proportions of the target population are vaccinated, which is June or July. We will take another look at, look at it then, uh, June or July. Let's just say that when we want to implement the program, only 30% of the elderly are vaccinated. I think you would be one of the first to criticize me to offer $10,000 grants for elderly people to come and collect. If, however, we have, just pick a number, I'm not, don't hold me to it, but if we have 80% of the elderly population, 75 vaccinated, then I think that the risk would be less if we say, you know, go to your nearest remittance outlet and collect your grant. So that was the, uh, that was the thinking behind it. And I, I guess it is going to end up being as, you know, a condition placed on the society that if we get up to those levels of vaccination, then it will be safe for us to have the elderly vulnerable population, those earning less than 1.5 um, uh, or earning nothing at all, which is often the case, uh, coming out to collect their grant. And we would all feel safe when we see those numbers on our television screens or on our social media platforms if we know a priori that most of those people are vaccinated. Right, right. So some of you may be wondering why I'm focusing so much on the issue of vaccinations at this investment forum, money talks, right? What does that have to do with our health? But being vaccinated, having a majority of our population vaccinated really is going to be the thing that helps our economic recovery to accelerate. So on that note, let me bring in Mr. Christopher Zaka here, President and CEO of Sagicor Group Jamaica. How is Sagicor positioning itself in this new economy? Is this work? Yes, thank you. Good evening. Um, well, Sajiko right now is in a very good position to, to transition to the new normal and the new economy. Um, we have remained central to the social fabric of Jamaica through our corporate social responsibility. We're very involved with the government in terms of um, the vaccination program. I, I chair the private sector vaccine initiative governance committee. Um, so we're playing our role. I think that's first and foremost. From a commercial point of view, you know, we weathered the storm last year. The team really stood up. We had 75% of our team working from home in the peak, and we're heading back there for this period. 
And we served our clients. We, we delivered $14 billion of profit for our, our stockholders. Um, a little down, but, but $14 billion in that environment for us was a great and great outturn. We built cash, so we have some dry powder, quite a bit of it, that will aid us in looking at expansion as the economies in the region improve. So we're looking at growth in Jamaica, in our banking sectors, in investments. Um, we're looking at real estate development, true real estate development uh, to, to boost the growth in the economy. And we haven't given up on tourism. We just want to be very cautious about it. Um, externally, we're looking at, at a Central American expansion strategy in insurance. And in general insurance, through the acquisition of AGI, we're also looking at some expansion possibilities in the Caribbean. So what we've done is we've kept our clients served, we've kept our employees safe, and we have enough dry powder and enough good quality assets to be poised to really um, do well going forward. Well, that's good. So that's a position that you always want to be in, to have those resources to take advantage of the opportunities. But what are the opportunities that you see right now? How do you see the investment landscape both locally and regionally shifting? Well, <clears throat> you know, certain, certain asset classes are going to rebound faster than some, right? So we're keeping our eyes on all, we are invested in all asset classes. Um, both locally and internationally. Um, real estate, we think, is a good play. Uh, you know, we're watching the equity markets here and abroad. Um, we're watching the fixed income markets. But we're also involved in private equity. We have large stakes in the C private equity fund, which is aiming for a hundred million US dollar <clears throat> raise. And, and I think we're up to about 40 now. Um, so we've taken positions in various private equity deals. We are also doing our own private equity through our Sigma um, Venture Fund, which Sajikor Investments manages. Um, so what I'm saying is that, that we're looking for, for opportunities for our shareholders, for our, funding, our pension funds, for our third-party management funds through the Sigma um, Mutual Fund, Sigma Unit Trust. And, you know, we have... We have Experts, I mean, Sean, you'll hear from him shortly. You know, he, he is, and the team from Sajikor Investments led by Tara, fantastic. You wouldn't want a better team anywhere in the world. Your money is safe. Um, our, our balance sheet is extremely strong. And we are transparent. We don't tell lies. And, you know, no better company than Sajikor right now. Well, that's the perfect place to bring in Sean, isn't it? So, Sean, you're the investments guy. You're the chief investments officer. Big title. And you heard some of the, 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 the questions coming on Facebook were very specific. People really want to know what they should be looking at now. So let's get a little bit more specific than Mr. Zaka was. What are the opportunities that you're seeing now? What sectors are hot? Sure. Thanks. And thanks. So, to Minister for being here, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule um, to speak with us and as well as speak with um, everyone on our, on our platforms. So, in terms of our asset allocation mix right now, locally, we're still, um, we favor equities. We think, um, if you look at globally, um, we think local market here is, we can probably lump into the, la the laggard trade. 
Um, if you look at it, you know, the, the pandemic one year after in this, you know, anniversary that we're going to be looking at for, for, for decades to come, um, our local market it still lags major, major indices. Um, so when you look at the S&P 500 as a, as a barometer, that is actually up 76% remarkably over the year. And we think that this actually um, will, will favor our local market. So I think the, the first pillar of that or the first round of that are, that will benefit from this recovery will be companies which are exposed to an eventual recovery. And what we keep telling our team and what our advisors keep telling our clients as well is that fundamentals are going to lag the market. So while there's a lot of work that the government is doing, there's a lot of work that the private sector is doing, that's going to bear fruit in six to eight months. But the markets are not going to wait for that. The markets are going to see, see the developments going on and start to make the investments now, for, and it will bear fruit you know, later during the course of the year. So within, within our local market, you know, we, we are favor, and we do favor our, our manufacturing and distribution segments. We believe that these segments are overexposed to the consumer and to the consumption recovery that we'd like to see occur. Um, we're not so hot globally on fixed income markets. As you can imagine, you know, U.S. rates have gone up 40 basis points year to date, and that, will certainly, that has had a negative impact on fixed income related instruments. So the, the, the flight to quality that um, not normally occurs, we're probably not going to see occur as U.S. exceptionalism, both on, on growth as well as on their vaccine rollout, will probably continue to have an upward pressure on, on yields and duration. So we think that is going to have a, a dampening effect or a negative effect on fixed income instruments. So we favor equities over fixed income within, within equities. We favor kind of value versus growth globally. And we certainly favor the manufacturing and distribution segments within our local market. So it's a good breakdown, Sean. So let's take our first question from social media at YGM underscore boss on Instagram wants to know, and this is a question for you, Sean. Based on the current state of the economy, would you say now is a good time to invest? Well, I think the important question is, well, thanks for your question, first of all. It's, it's always good to continue investing. I, I'm a big believer of dollar cost averaging. We're never ever going to time the market to perfection. So every, you know, every month, every paycheck you get, you should always put some money away for, to, towards your future. So yes, today's a great day to invest. Yes, we're very bullish on our prospects. I think you heard from Tower earlier and the minister that you know, we expect our economy to rebound you know, between you know, mid-single digits, somewhere between maybe 3 and 5% um, over the course of the year. And we think that will have a very favorable impact on our, on our local companies. And that leads us in turn to, to have a, a, you know, a very favorable outlook on, on our local market. Okay, so you mentioned earlier that manufacturing and distribution sector, that's one of them that you are looking at, that you're interested in. It has proven to be resilient over the past year. I know Select Funds, F, uh, Select Fund MD, uh, that is starting to bounce back, the manufacturing and distribution uh, sector on your Select Funds. So let's bring Dr. Clark back in here. So when we talk about manufacturing, it is one of the keys that can help us to recover because with tourism down, we need to now be focusing on exports. We need to boost our manufacturers. What is being done in that regard? Well, you know, there's been a lot of growth in the last few, last several years in the manufacturing space uh, that consists of small valued manufacturing uh, that is taking advantage of the ease of or the, what technology allows with the ease of moving product from one country to another. And 
by abolishing the customs administration fee for exports less than 500 million US dollars, we are increasing the productivity of our manufacturing sector and freeing them to be able to go after market share. Last year, there were 43,000 separate uh, export declarations. Of those 43,000, 22,000 of them were under 500 US. And of that 22,000, 11,000 were under 100 US. Now, for each one of those exports that were under 100 US dollars, the government would charge $3,000 or about 21 US dollars. Now, you can imagine how uncompetitive that makes you if you have to pay a 20, $22 fee for an export that has value of $50 or an export that has value of $100 or even $500. Mm -hmm. So by abolishing that and doing away with that fee, what we're doing is making our, the manufacturers of small value uh, exports more competitive because not only do we want our manufacturing sector uh, to grow and to prosper, we want manufacturing exports to grow and to prosper. Mm -hmm. So let's take another question from social media. And this one has been a very hot topic lately. I keep getting bombarded about these messages about cryptocurrency. So I think, Sean, this might be one for you. S. Scott Sinclair on IG says, can we see anything for cryptocurrencies in the future? You know, sir, you know, crypto has been a hot, um, hot, you know, hot topic of late, right? And um, I certainly applaud the, the measures that the, the Bank of Jamaica has, has recently announced in terms of rolling out uh, you know, something that will enable the economy to, to participate and improve the, the level of um, integration, financial integration and inclusion in the economy. So that's the first point I'd like to make. And when it comes to crypto, I'm a believer in some of the, the elements along the supply chain. So I would rather you know, allocate my capital to, to providers of maybe the software and to some of the other engines along the value chain of crypto. Um, I still think that there's a lot of you know, uncertain things about it, which if I'm a value investor, or just a regular investor, if I can't really invest in something I don't completely understand or still the business model as to why something trades at you know, 138 times PE and has, has very little earnings, that to me is still, I still struggle with that fundamentally. So I'd rather at this point invest along the value chain of crypto versus actually going out and buying Ethereum or Bitcoin mm -hmm. or something like that, which I can't really explain um, the, the business model and the valuation at this point. Interesting. And it's interesting as well that uh, Jamaica is getting in. Well, it's not crypto. Looking at central bank digital currency, completely different thing. Yeah. Uh, where is Sajikor Investments on that, Mr. Zaka? Do you support uh, the adoption of a central bank digital currency? Yeah, as I told in the interview the other day, we, we're fully behind that. We think it's a fantastic initiative and must commend the minister and the government. And minister, I must add my thanks for you being here tonight. I know how difficult um, your job is and has been for a long time. I don't think it will ever get easy. But, but um, yeah, you know, the central bank um, piloting uh, digital currency, it's just a Jamaican dollar. It has a full backing of the central bank. It's no different to a piece of paper with $100 or $1,000 written on it. But what it does is make the production and distribution and control of currency easier, cheaper, more efficient, allow people with phones to access currency um, much easier through technology. I think it's a fantastic idea. We're ready to go. I'm sure my banking team have about 10 products ready to go that they haven't <laughs> even told me about yet.
Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure that they're preparing for the day. Dr. Clark, you were jumping in saying it's emphasizing that it's very different from cryptocurrency. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, central bank digital currency, as uh, Chris mentioned, is currency issued by the Bank of Jamaica and is exactly the same as the physical Jamaican dollar. We will amend the Bank of Jamaica Act and the central bank will be the only authority that or the only institution that has the authority to issue central bank digital currency. Just as today, the Bank of Jamaica is the only institution in the world that has the authority to issue Jamaican dollars. It, it will be a revolutionary uh, development and very excited that it's gonna be piloted this year. Here we're not talking about a pipe dream, we have already, uh, the procurement has been approved by cabinet, the uh, provider has been identified and it's gonna be piloted this year, 2021, oh. the pilot ends in December, and based on the results of the pilot, what the learnings have been, uh, we are going to, or the central bank will launch central bank digital currency as a reality in 2022. Wow. Uh, we're going to have to amend the Bank of Jamaica Act very quickly in order to achieve that. Um, uh, but it, it, offers the op it offers the possibility of broadening financial access, deepening financial inclusion, and the more people we include in our society with access to financial products, with access to be able to, uh, to, to save, to store value, and to transact, is the more dynamic our economy is going to be. So I hope that Sajikor is planning in advance about how they're going to augment their products and their services to take advantage of this revolutionary development of central bank digital currency. Right, Chris? Well, you heard Mr. Zaka say that his banking team is on it. They're ready. And we're looking forward to the day when that really is ruled out. So in the budget debates, Dr. Clark had mentioned the infrastructure investments that are coming this year, particularly those road projects, those road developments. And you mentioned here on stage this evening, Mr. Zaka, about Sajikor's renewed focus on real estate this year. So what impact will one have on the other? <clears throat> well, first of all, let me speak to, to the general um, fiscal situation. This gentleman has a very difficult task to mm -hmm. balance um, a pandemic, its effect on society, and, and also find a way that we don't go back to the days of spending ridiculously more than we earn and devaluing our dollar and disenfranchising our, our pensioners, our old people, the, the poor. So I think he has done a good job, a great job actually, with his administration to, to balance that, provide transfers to the most vulnerable but not throw away the baby with the bathwater. And I mean, you know, the effects of a, of a downgrade, for example, by a standard and poor would be very, very bad on this country. And I think we tend to forget that. So kudos, sir, and, and with, you know, the financial sectors and the general business community, as you know from various pronouncements, um, are fully behind you. In terms of infrastructure, look, you cannot get growth without it, right? It puts people to work post-pandemic or even during pandemic. Um, it creates an environment for efficiencies in manufacturing, in distribution, in logistics, mm -hmm. in financial um, investments. Um, real estate, I use real estate as a broad term. It means hard assets. It means, you know, machines, concrete, steel. And, and I think that fits right in with, with what's going on in the country today. 
So we've been talking a lot about the developments here in Jamaica, but we don't live in a bubble, right? Things that happen around the world definitely impact us. So let's look a little bit to our friends in the North. North America, well, the United States has just had a historic change in leadership. We're now dealing with President Joe Biden as opposed to President Donald Trump. And Sean, so tell me, do you think this is having an impact on the way business is done now? What impact is that change in leadership uh, having? Have you noticed any? Well, I, I think um, as it relates to Jamaica's position and relationship with the U.S., I don't anticipate there's going to be any fundamental changes. But I think folks should understand that there are some things that will probably fundamentally not change. I think one thing that both the Republicans and the Democrats agreed on was the relation, their stance with China. I don't think that's going to change. I think there is certainly going to be a, a, a firm level of relationship with China. So while I don't see uh, a near-term escalation of existing um, tariffs or, or sanctions, I think tensions there will, will probably remain high, and we should think of it kind of like a Cold War or a frozen conflict, as I think the U.S. Is, has made a stance, and I think that they're going to um, continue to, 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 to enforce it and ensure that you know, certain things are, are not um, disenfranchised, especially when it comes on to local um, or their own domestic you know, sectors, whether it's in technology or in manufacturing. So I think that's the baseline scenario that we are running with at Sajikor. Um, but when it, as it relates to Jamaica's relationship with the U.S., I think those ties and those relationships have been strengthened over the course of the years. I, th I only see, you know, you know, growth ahead of, for both countries. And I think Jamaica is well positioned um, to benefit from the growth that we're, we're going to see um, to our neighbors to the north. And just to go back to, you know, the, the, you know, the point earlier, I think over the course of the past several months, we've only been seeing U.S. economic predictions go up and up and up. So as it started out the year, growth was coming in, or growth was expected to be north of six, now in the third and fourth, second and third quarters of this year, those expectations are, are going to be north of seven, potentially. So I think this period that the U.S. was lagging, the rest of the world um, will probably start, of course, will reverse over the course of the year. So in terms of our own, you know, our own exports and our own investments, we certainly want to be aligned to this northern star, so to speak, in terms of this growth engine as it will continue to you know, pull along other countries and companies which are aligned with it. We have a question here from social media, and this question is for Minister Clark. The opposition has raised the point about the access of lower income earners to NHT subsidized housing. Is there a plan to provide to support and access to the benefit so that the crowding out that was referred to can be more equitable? Excellent question, except that the government was the first to uh, articulate this problem. I was chairman of the NHT in 2017, and the prime minister appointed me to, re uh, to review the NHT, a task force. And in that report, which was tabled in parliament in 2017, uh, I, we, the task force, would have identified this problem that there is a supply side problem uh, with affordable housing in Jamaica. And the supply side problem is that we have the financing, right? we have the demand, but somehow the market isn't working to produce, despite the fact that we have the financing and demand, the market is not working to produce homes or solutions at the level where the demand is. And that, that's what you call a, a market failure, that the government needs to uh, innovate policy in order to solve. 
and the Prime Minister would have announced in his uh, budget presentation that we are, uh, we are working on a number of solutions. The Bernard Lodge housing development will have uh, several thousand uh, affordable homes are being developed there, so you're, those who are interested should pay attention there. And we're working with the development developer community, local developers, overseas developers, on uh, methods by which we can ensure that affordable houses are produced. And some of those methods might have to involve the government providing some level of, whether it's support on the infrastructure or in other areas to uh, allow this, for the solutions to come out at the price where that demand is. So we're absolutely focused on that. Other countries have different problems in relation to low-income housing. Some countries don't have the supply side problem. Mm -hmm. What they have is the financing. They don't have the finance, they don't have a market available that can provide the, the financing that's required. Our problem is on the supply, and we're working hard to solve that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we've covered a range of topics already in this short time. We've spoken about manufacturing. We've spoken about vaccinations, the United States market. We haven't yet touched on Sajikor's core, which is financial sector, so banking, investments, insurance. What do you see, Mr. Zaka, as the new normal for the financial sector and corporate Jamaica in general? So that's a, that's a question that CEOs all over the world are mm -hmm. thinking about, not just in regard to their particular industries, but generally, what's the new normal? First of all, let me say that the financial sector is very strong in Jamaica, and it's a credit to the, to the institutions that, that, that uh, regulate the sector, the Bank of Jamaica, the FSC, and of course, the Ministry of Finance, in terms of uh, a resilient financial sector that can stand up to shocks. Um, and it wasn't always so. As we, we don't want to remember the past, but it wasn't always so. We've come through the pandemic so far in great shape. And therefore, Jamaica can feel that their money is safe, that their investments are safe, and that um, the, the Jamaican financial sector stands ready to support their growth and the growth of the economy as we come out of this pandemic. What's the new normal? You know, first of all, we've all found out in the financial sector that we need to speed up our digitization. Um, you know, all of us were on our journey. Sajikor was probably along a, a little ways ahead of some people and maybe behind some people. But we've all accelerated. I mean, last year, what we accomplished, Sean, is, is unbelievable in terms of the rollout of new digital products touch points, uh, processes where we, we don't use paper anymore, you know, agents can onboard life insurance policies on iPads, etc. cetera. Um, a, a life insurance client can, can go online and see how much their policy is, is, whether the premium has been paid and paid online. All of these things didn't exist eight months ago. So, I mean, going forward, we have taken a five-year digital, full digitization plan and compress that to three years. And that is going to be a tremendous effort. Um, so first and foremost, digitization, finding ways to deliver products and, and, and information to our clients digitally, listening to them um, in terms of just not giving them products that they don't want, you know, making them the center of, of, of how we decide what to do digitally. Um, secondly, you know, 
nice, beautiful offices with nice conference tables and, you know, rows and rows of desks. It's not as hot as, it, as we thought it was, right? So, so where do we, f f you know, in which, I mean, is it 50% stay at home, work from home, or, or is it 20? Who knows? We're, we're learning. Sajikor actually had a work from home policy long before this pandemic. We were one of the first in Jamaica to announce that. We found, you know, you have to look at the circumstances of each employee, what their job is, what their circumstances at home is. But over time, I see work from home being a permanent part of the economic sector in Jamaica, and the financial sector is not far from that. Where it lands, who knows, how we measure productivity, you know, we're learning as we go along. Um, in terms of financial services, I think it's also about ensuring um, quality, quality of advice, um, quality of assets, uh, making sure that you tell your clients about risk, because look at what we just went through. Who would mm -hmm. have foreseen that, that that could happen? So, you know, quality and, and um, qu quality of assets, quality of advice, quality of relationships, I think that's going to be front and center for the financial sector. Hmm. Maybe if I could add one point there. I, th I think we're you know, we're on set, we're at the, the, the beginning of a huge, somewhat structural shift in the Jamaican economy. You know, where this pandemic has done to Jamaica what Jamaicans do best, which is innovate. Um, we've seen businesses rotate or shift from external facing markets to now trying to satisfy this, you know, these untapped local, local markets. And in the conversations, you know, the team and I have, you know, whether it's on the research side or the capital market side, we have a, we have a lot of deals that we're looking at trying to solve these, you know, these, these new pockets of demand and these new opportunities that, you know, the creative businessman, which has always been here, has now turned it and shifted their resources to satisfying these markets. So we're excited about the deals that we're looking on there. And I think this is really going to help transform the economy going forward. And I think this is this, you know, this, this change that Chris just mentioned in terms of this transformation, how businesses have now, you know, shifted the resources and capital um, to this ever-evolving economy. Absolutely. So at this point in the program, we're going to take a little break, but I do hope that our panel can stay with us for a few more minutes while you guys watch this video. So Unitrust, um, or mutual funds, it is a collective or pooled investment scheme that allows persons to pool their funds together and these funds are managed on the behalf of them by a fund manager or an institution. Essentially, this is a means or ways of investing indirectly in assets that you may not be able to afford um, on your own. The Unitrust is actually for everyone, the everyday man. If it is that you want to get quicker returns over a shorter period, that may necessarily mean that you have to go to a more aggressive spectrum of the risk tolerance um, scale. If you want to get consistent income, um, but you want to preserve what you have, then you might be on the lower scale of the risk tolerance spectrum. Essentially, based on the suites of products that Sagicore Investments offer, we can find a Sigma fund that will suit your need and will suit your portfolio. Hi, I'm Jodian. I'll just be giving you a brief presentation on what it is Sagicore's investments outlook for the local equities market. Starting with our general expectations, 
We are expected that for 2020 relative to 29 to 20 for 2021 relative to 2020 that will be seeing growth of north of 20% in earnings per share for the market. This is based on the fact that we are looking at a top-down approach. If it is that we are going to be seeing growth in the economy overall, then this should translate to the local equities market. As such, we came up with an estimate for what it is that we thought would have been the impact on the bottom line for listed companies, which gave us an earnings per share estimate, which should be relative to last year in excess of 20%. Now, now that we have the bottom line, how does this translate to the price for stocks? We naturally want to know that there's going to be some appreciation. And based on our conservative approach, we're looking at a trailing PE of 15 times. We're expecting that market cap for listed companies should increase by about 8%. And this is just a baseline expectation. As you know, we're still in a period of uncertainty and you know, we did a baseline, so it could be more than 8%, but just on you know, the base, we're projecting 8%. To be a little bit more specific to the sectors, we're looking at the tourism sector and we're saying that we're anticipating that with the rollout of the vaccine and the recovery and the reopening of traveling, that this sector should see some high growth of about 80%, just relative to last year when everything was really slow. For the financial companies, our expectations are a little bit more a little bit more reserved. We're thinking for financial companies that we're not going to see a pickup until about the latter half of 2021. And this is just based on the fact that they'll still continue to reel from non-cash adjustments. Manufacturing performed well in 2020, and we're expecting this to continue, particularly within the food segment area. Real estate, we're a little bit more bullish on our commercial space than we are for housing. However, we're having a conservative estimate of around 8 10% within the real estate market. Foreign exchange exposure is a big topic, and we have become, the market has really become accustomed to more two-way movement. We're not, you know, we're within the band where we expect highs and lows. Looking at the listed companies, we're anticipating that financial companies naturally would be a little bit more exposed, as well as those companies such as a GK and a Carib Cement, who deal with a little bit more import and export, should be more exposed to, to shocks or fluctuations within the FX market. On the least exposed side, we're seeing services industries to be impacted on that end. What does this, all of this mean for you? What does this mean in terms of what it is that you should be buying? Our recommendations are surrounding the manufacturing and distribution sector. This sector we have seen being a little bit more, much more resilient in 2020. Looking at our top names, we have Lasco Manufacturing, Grace Kennedy, Seprod, and Carib Cement. Based on our research assessments, we're seeing that even at current prices, there's still upside potential in these names. Particularly, we note for Grace that they are expanding the footprint within the financial space, and we see that as very positive. While for Seprod, we're looking at their ability to increase in terms of their distribution linkages, and we're anticipating that that could be a big part of fueling growth for the company. Now, it would be a big shame to be bullish on manufacturing and not to mention Sajikor Select Fund's Manufacturing and Distribution Fund. Considering that the NAV net asset value is around 98 cents, compared to the current trading price of around 83 cents, this presents investors with an opportunity to access or to get into the manufacturing space at a discount. However, there are some stocks that we're not so positive about, and these would fall under our sell recommendations, and they include Caribbean Producers and Dolphin Cove. 
Now, our self-recommendation reflects the fact that these companies had weaknesses prior to COVID-19. And, you know, with the onset of COVID, these weaknesses were made worse. As such, we don't foresee that these companies will be able to make a grand transition or a pickup within 2021, and as such, we are recommending them as cells at this time. Now, what I have presented is just a synopsis. The research team at Sagicor Investments has done a comprehensive review on all the names mentioned and more, and I strongly encourage you to reach out to your Sagicor Investments team and have a much deeper discussion. Equities, also known as stocks, is a financial instrument used by the company to raise funds through the public on the Jamaica Stock Exchange market for their business operations. These companies will use that funds from the public as to run their business to gain a profit. What this means for investors is that one, you will have shares in this company. Two, if this company makes a profit, you're entitled to dividend payments depending on the board's decision. Three, the value of your shares will also increase in price depending on the company's performance. You may ask what a dividend is. A dividend is a percentage of the profits the company may decide to pay out to the shareholders. To get started, visit any Sagicor Investments location or give us a call. What are you waiting on? All right, so I want to say a very special thank you to Jodianne Aris, research and strategist at researcher and strategist at Sagicor Investments. I hope you all were taking notes because Jodianne is the real deal. She's a regular contributor on my program, and she always brings the good stuff. So a lot of you have been chiming, chiming in on social media. You have a lot of questions, especially for you, Dr. Clark. You're in a hot seat right now. People have questions for you, so let's get started. Let me start with this one from Richard McDonald on Facebook, and he's asking, question for Dr. Clark. In the budget presentation, you spoke about the multiplier impact on stimulating economic growth, specifically through government spending. Can one solution to create sustainable employment be an investment in brand Jamaica, through the export of our culture, music, dance, cuisine, by retooling and educating the everyday Jamaicans, a long question I know, to earn online via social media by providing classes, events, and content. They'd also need financial support systems to undertake this national venture, and it could be a source of foreign exchange inflows. All right, uh, Mr. Zaka, can you just pass your mic to him? Thank you for that question, and which touched on, on many very important topics. What was the name of the questioner? What was the name of the uh, Richard McDonald. Richard McDonald. Thank you for that question. Uh, first, the creative industries are absolutely critically important for economic activity and growth. The creative industries are a huge part of the tourism product and uh, provide employment for many Jamaicans. The creative industry uh, is a huge part of our export of services. At any one point in time, there are hundreds of Jam resident Jamaican uh, entertainers, uh, uh, including their crews, I mean, I'd say thousands probably, who are outside of Jamaica earning and planning to come back home. So 
that's a very, very important part of the uh, economic makeup. The question about whether or not we can enhance social media to, or use the, the, the avenue of social media to increase earnings, I'll just share a little anecdote. In my constituency, there is a street in my constituency that is well known uh, for, uh, it has a, you know, a few bed and breakfasts. It's not a place that you would ordinarily expect to have a hotel but it's frequented by a lot of tourists. And along that street, there are a number of homes where if you go there on the afternoon, you see people dancing, and you say, what's going on? And there's a camera in front of them. And they're holding dance hall classes from their address here in I've Kingston. Been there. I You've think been that's there. a dance hall hostel? Yes, yes. exactly, exactly. Really I didn't want to cool call place. the name. Yeah, unbelievable what is happening. And you have all these uh, young people, male and female. So did you take classes too? <laughs> I didn't want to give away the secret, Kalila. <laughs> but having dance hall classes to audiences in Germany and the Netherlands and Spain right here from Jamaica. And what we did, uh, along with a, a grant from the Ministry of Tourism, I've put more money into that community. Uh, for that particular activity uh, to get some support and for them to accelerate what they're doing. So that's an example of, of, of what the, the question is asking. There's a huge opportunity for that. And with our move to digitize uh, the space, what we want is for, you know, in, a, in an economy, an economy works when the creative energies of Richard and of the hundreds of thousands of Jamaicans, including the many Jamaicans who are watching and listening right now, it's when people are free to pursue their imagination, pursue the creative ideas that come to them, not ideas that a minister necessarily has or that the government has, but what they, with the natural God-given talent that they have uh, and their drive and their energy and their passion. That's what we want. We want a Jamaica where people have economic freedom to realize their dreams, aspirations, and potentials. And, and that includes dreams and aspirations in the creative space. And we, we are working hard to make that happen. And I hope that anecdote that I shared uh, provides evidence that that is indeed the case. All right, here's another question for you, Minister Clark. Sid Sang says, how is the country going to solve the devaluation problem? Sid Sang. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sid underscore right. Sang. Sid, Sid, all right. The first thing I want to, in, in, in discussing that, there's a difference between devaluation and depreciation, okay? Devaluation speaks to underlying value, whereas depreciation speaks to nominal price. Uh, a share price can go up and down. The value of the company, in terms of its underlying authentic fundamental value, is not changing on a daily basis. The value might change with certain developments, a new product or certain developments, developments are taking place. So the value changes in punctuated steps, but it appreciates and depreciates depending on market forces. That's a similar thing that happens uh, with our currency, and that measures the nominal exchange rate. And here we get a little technical. Mm -hmm. the, the real exchange rate, which is what you, what, uh, from an economic point of view, you want to be, uh, economists are focused on, speaks to the real value, right? And the real exchange, the, the, the nominal value of the currency is going to change more or less along with the inflation differential with its trading partner. But the, the real value of the currency does, hasn't changed, right? Because when you, adjust it, when you adjust both currencies by inflation, you're back to where you were. So we can get, we get 
I understand that the dominant way of thinking about this is not like that, but it, it's not the, uh, the, the, what is really happening is that you're, you're getting inflation differentials, having an impact, and you're getting nominal movements, but the underlying real value adjusted for inflation in both countries has not really changed. Now, where we want to get to is a place where we are earning a lot more foreign exchange in Jamaica than we are currently. And that's where the focus of the conversation needs to be. Mm -hmm. And it's especially ripe for that conversation this year when our earnings from tourism have collapsed by 2.5 billion US dollars to the lowest levels that we have had in 30 years. As we attempt to build up those foreign exchange earnings again, let the focus of the conversation be on how much did we earn last month? How much are we gonna earn this year? Because that is where it is. Everything else flows from that. Everything else follows from that. And it's like, you know, you, you need to be, con you need to be, we need to be focused on the primary variable and not the secondary and the tertiary and the, the variables that are lower down, uh, that take their impact from the primary. The primary variable is how much are we earning? How much are we producing? And the, the solution to all our problems is for us to go from the levels of exchange, uh, of foreign exchange earnings that we have today, and for us to double it and to, well, certainly from these levels, triple it, uh, multiply it by four, uh, by five, uh, as time passes by. Right, so less, uh, less uh, need to focus on tourism as the major and more need to diversify the sources of foreign exchange Which income. And it ties back into the question from Richard as well, who it spoke does. about the creative industries and them earning. I noted at uh, the DBJ's recent Ignite graduation ceremony that one of the winners, the person who, the, the company that won for the biggest exporter was an advertising agency. So they don't actually manufacture a product. We need to be thinking about exports in a different way. We can export services too. The export of services is where it is. Tourism is a service, right? So right. our biggest export is already a service. BPO is a service. Mm -hmm. Those are exports. And similarly, advertisement and other forms of services can be exports as well. And that is where the government is going to you know, be, be focusing and changing the conversation uh, and making strategic steps to ensure that we can earn more. We have to earn more as far as foreign exchange is concerned. Now, on the topic of job opportunities, YGM boss on Instagram says, Mr. Clark, read job opportunities. How can we revitalize the economy when job opportunities are far and few? Companies are cutting staff instead of hiring. Unemployment is up. How can we grow? Okay, YGM boss, that's a, uh, those are relevant questions. We know that the pandemic has impacted employment uh, tremendously. We had the lowest level of unemployment prior to the pandemic in our history. And overnight, it went from 7.3% to 12.3%. We lost 130,000 jobs. Now, the good news uh, is that the employment has picked up from that low, and the unemployment rate improved from 12.3% approximately to 10 point, I believe it might have been 10.7% in the October numbers, and we expect those improvements to continue. Uh, we you know, heard the good news uh, that was posted by one of our leading, leading hoteliers that they're seeing forward bookings for 
the winter season in 2021 that uh, exceeds their 2019 pre-pandemic bookings by a significant degree. And that's good uh, news for jobs. Certainly the construction pipeline is good news for jobs as well. And the, the inward investment that we expect in a number of areas and certainly the infrastructure program that the government is going to carry out is going to be good news for jobs. But uh, it's also the case that recovery to the level of employment that we had pre-pandemic, you know, won't be overnight. Uh, and, but the important thing is that the recovery begins now and that we steadily, you know, add jobs, you know, on a quarterly basis, quarter by quarter, or certainly year by year uh, as we recover from this pandemic. Thank you very much, Dr. Clark. So I want to invite our panelists now to give their final words. Let me start with Sean and then come around. Any last thoughts? In, term, in terms of our outlook for the rest of the year, I think we're, we're quite bullish on, on the economy's prospects. Um, we heard from the minister about you know, ver the overall outlook. And within that, within infrastructure, real estate, um, manufacturing, agribusiness sectors are, are poised to um, rebound quite well. Tourism are also you know, constructive on, on the outlook there. Um, we think, though, it all starts with the right kind of policy. And we, we think we have the right foundation we have a, a primary surplus, which is the envy of the world, and that has really anchored the, anchored the country. And we believe that sectors and, co and companies within those sectors are poised to, to rebound um, after this um, economic and, and healthcare um, pandemic that we just went through. Mr. Zaka? <clears throat> well, first of all, let me thank um, Minister again. Thank you, Kalilo. Thank the team at Sajikor and all our people watching and, and all our clients because the, our clients are the ones that, that allow us to, to do what we do. And, and that needs to be said first and foremost. Um, I too am bullish. I, I think that there are some bumps in the road, ups and downs, but the trend is going to be positive going forward. I think the, the, the society is working better together to come out of this pandemic and the crisis we're in. Um, the private sector and, uh, and the administration are working very closely. The vaccine initiative is one of those where we are working to accelerate the velocity and to, to move. Um, started at 16%, we're now up to you know, 60, 70% in one year. And I think that's big progress. So anything that we can do in the private sector, Minister, we will do anything that it takes. We have already played a big role in developing the software, et cetera, to take the bookings. We have donated 400 tablets for the health, health, public health workers to use to enter data for the vaccination sites. So I think that's key. I think um, we need to play our role in corporate Jamaica to encourage the society to follow the, 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 the protocols around health. Um, and we need to encourage our team members to evangelize both, you know, safe practices as well as um, take your vaccine. You know, this, this anti-vax movement, you know, I can't understand it, but I can say that our team at Sajikor um, are fully behind taking vaccinations. So we'll do what we can. Um, and it's a positive economic outlook. And finally, finally, I am so proud of what we have accomplished, our team has accomplished at Sajikor. We're strong, 
we're diverse, we're innovative. I think that is the, the, the most um, aspect of what has happened last year that, that really, really makes me feel proud, the innovation that the team came up with. And we're going to serve our clients. We are going to make build wealth from birth to transition. That's what we do. So thank you. And Minister Clark? One, two. First, thanks to the Sajigor team, to uh, Chris and Sean for inviting me, and wonderful to be uh, speaking with you here, Kalila, and engage with the uh, great customers of Sajigor. The economy is uh, on a positive trajectory, and the economic outlook is positive, notwithstanding uh, what is uh, the, the challenges of the environment. There are uncertainties, and there are risks, but the government of Jamaica has pursued a strategy of thinking about tomorrow as well as today and preserved uh, flexibility in the face of uncertainties and risks that we face. The, all of the agencies that are responsible for uh, looking at and projecting economic expansion, uh, all of them, the PIOJ, the Bank of Jamaica, the Caribbean Development Bank, the IDB, the IMF, uh, are all you know, projecting economic expansion for this year coming up, and that will be good uh, for uh, investment, and that will be good for jobs. So, and I'm just very grateful for the collaboration of the, of the private sector. Uh, Chris mentioned some of that collaboration in terms of on the health side, on, on, the, uh, econ on the economic side as well, and working together, we will recover stronger, better, and faster. Thank you. Thank you very much, Minister. Thanks, Mr. Zaka. Thank you, Sean, as well. Very engaging and enlightening discussion this evening.